This podcast is getting worse all the time. But here we are, back again. How are you doing, sir? Well, um... Global pandemic aside. I mean... Well, if 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 I may, you you may. It's theater of the mind, Carl. Um, I'm if you, in case you can't tell because you're not listening I, I, I to the heard. same audio feed as I am. <laughs> I, I just cracked it open. <laughs> I heard I heard a, a bottle cap. I was waiting to hear like the. The uh, proceeding liquid pour. You, you will in, in the um, edited episode, I promise. Um, okay. So it's, right. go, it's, yeah. it's going, but, uh, you know, it's Friday and I'm letting the hair down, so to speak, a little bit right now. So we're, we're, hanging, yeah. we're hanging in there. I'm, um, you know, before I get, without getting too, you know, serious about anything, I'm, I'm lucky to I still have a job. I'm able to work from home, which I've been doing for a couple weeks now. And, um, right. you know, it, everything's okay on that front. And I know for a lot of people that may not be the case. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm very okay. Um, I'm wishing everyone out there, uh, well, and I hope that they're doing okay, whatever the circumstances may be. Cause I know they might not be as favorable as mine right now. So, uh, right. doing the best I can. And I hope, uh, yeah. I, hope, I hope you are as well. Yeah, we are too. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Being quarantined with a four year old is <laughs> challenging. Yeah, I, have, I, I mean, I have an eighteen month, nineteen month old almost, and I, I, I feel you. <laughs> oh my god, sir, sir, That's, you, 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 I love you to death, and I know I have an idea what you're going through. You do not feel me on this one. Well, there's a world of difference between an eighteen month old and a four year old. If I may, granted, you're dude, very mobile, very, very ahead of the curve as far as growth and development, but like. Oh, 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 Drew! Well, I, I'm not gonna lie. I may or may not have gone on Amazon and searched animal tranquilizer bar. <laughs> uh, set for stun, as it were. And then when those were all sold out, I might have looked up a taser. Okay, you know. Okay. I mean, play, play, at least you can like. Old. At least you can speak to and and somewhat you know rationalize with a four year old at, at at Grant's age. It it's just like a free for all. So when we're trying to work, uh, there is no like rational conversation happening. It's just, it's basically just like, Oh God, dude, we just leave you alone for like an hour. Like, yeah, we can, we can kind of, it's, it's rough because like, I don't like him having as much screen time as he's been having, but given the current situation, what are you going to do? Like, Julie's working at home and I'm working at home. We can't send him to the mothers because right. they are very high risk and we don't want to take a chance. Yeah. Um, Julie's father, especially is extremely immunocompromised. You know, my mother and her husband have some issues as well. And, you know, we don't want to take that chance. So he's getting a lot more screen time than I would really like. But during the workday, it's just, it's what, it's what we got to do. We tried to, you know, get some some educational stuff in on him, but a lot of times he just wants to play Splatoon and he wants to play Mario Kart or he wants to watch the stupid robot train show. So, <clears throat> well, that's not all he's watching, from what I understand. 
Oh, oh, he is. He has a new love, Drew. Yeah. Um, and we'll we'll kind of yeah. You know, I mean, we're not really standing on ceremony too much with the show, so I guess you could say that this was news, but we'll kind of roll it into both. Um, as I mean, we're kind of officially unofficially doing the "How Was Your Week" segment right here. Uh, so Hasbro owners of GI Joe released uh, and, and, of death, and of death row records by the way <laughs> let's not let's not leave that out <laughs> there seriously there was an episode of our show on things you would be surprised that are owned by other things yeah yeah so but yeah so hasbro has a youtube channel and on that youtube channel they released initially they've released more since then but they initially released the two um, first miniseries of the original G.I. Joe cartoon. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the original G.I. Joe Real American Hero and then G.I. Joe Revenge of Cobra. And I have seen, um, since then, they have begun to release more, which I am thankful for because William likes him some G.I. Joe. That's so awesome. He, he has asked for it numerous occasions. He never turns it down when I offer it. We're on part four of the Revenge of Cobra. All right. Um, he will occasionally let out a yo-jo when it's not on, and he shouts it to the TV every time they shout it on the show. He shouts it with them. See? Quality holds up, man. Yeah, it's that show does hold up uh, well, for the most uh, part. I'm sure. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't. It, it's probably not all roses, but uh, you know, I, I, you got colorful I, characters. You got you got uh, you got battle cries. You got lasers. You got all kinds of stuff. We have some email questions, and some of them may uh, skew right. into this. So we'll kind of save that for that. Um, but yeah, just kind of hunkering down social distancing as much as possible i've left uh the house i think twice in just under a month and both times were to go to the comic book store (laughs) so obviously there are priorities to be maintained um working from home myself i don't like it at all Mm. i like being in the office, I like being around people. I got a, I got a great team I'm on at work and, and, you know, missing them and just like at being home is makes it harder for me to kind of stay focused on the tasks at hand. Hmm. But I am getting caught back up with some reading as you may or may not have saw. I did a live stream last week. You know, I, I missed up. it, but I'm glad you did it. Yeah, I got bored, so I jumped on. Um, I'll probably uh, try to do that on the weeks where we're off, just to give the good people some content. Of course, you are welcome to do it as well, if you like. Um, what, uh, what kind of turnout did you have? It's, really, it's gotten more over 100 views. That's cool. So, uh, Yeah. Um, some people showed up, asked some questions, uh, some of our regulars and some, some newer ones. But I, um, I went back and I... Reread and finished reading the IDW series Transformers Regeneration One, mm. which was very cool because I had I had also another trade which was 
uh, Transformers End of the Road, which was the last, I think, five or six issues in the Marvel Comics run. And then Regeneration 1 put a proper ending on that series. Because that was one where they were told, yeah, the series is going to be canceled after next issue. They had a lot of stuff that they weren't able to really tie up the way they would have liked. So IDW got the original uh, writer and artist together. I believe Simon Furman. I'm trying to think of the writers. I just sent her over and grab, uh, grab my first trade. There's four trades total in the run. Yeah, Simon Furman. Oh, come on, pages. Thumbs work with me. Simon Furman and Andrew Wildman. Uh, the original uh, creative team on that Marvel book has four four trades, and it finishes out the Marvel on the way to game. So I did that, and now I'm kind of catching up with Saga. Yes. I'm in the the seventh uh, trade. I need to order. I know eight and nine are out. I'm not sure if ten is out. Are they off their hiatus yet? No, no, they're not. well. I mean, dude, the whole industry's on hiatus. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna cover that news as well. But uh, um, no, no, they're not. They're not back yet. Okay, good. So I'm not too far behind. Uh, so yeah, Saga's great. Still the, yeah. the best monthly comic going today. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I've been Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of Mario Kart, a lot of Splatoon, a lot of Call of Duty. Well, I wish I could say that I was doing uh, doing a lot, but under these circumstances. But um, I mean, honestly, outside of uh, a, a commute to and from work, my you know my 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 day to day really hasn't changed that much. I'm just working. Uh, at home instead of at the office, so uh, I don't have a, I I don't really have this free time that uh, you know you you might think I, I would have in these circumstances. Um, again, I'm lucky that that is my circumstance, but uh, yeah, I, I my my read pile is still my read pile, and it's probably never going to get conquered. And um, <laughs> I've basically been uh, just taking care of the dude and working and. Um, playing a lot of uh, Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal, um, more of one than the other, and probably not the one that you would think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, why not go right into it, sir? Give us uh, give us your reviews. Um, Animal Crossing's fantastic. It's um, much like a lot of Nintendo's uh, releases, um, I tend to be at the time they're released, but more, you know, more so now, that they've already gotten these things. They, I mean, it's it's like the best iteration of something that was already good. So um, right. the Switch version is like the best iteration without without radically reinventing what it is. Um, it's it's very much every Animal Crossing that has ever been, but just refined and you know with enough quality of life improvements and new features and new things to make it just you know the best one yet in a way. So I'm really uh, enjoying it and playing it a lot at my own pace. Um, they kind of, I, I like, they might have uh, released it at a weird time because 
Um, basically, the game is new to a lot of people. A lot of people never played Animal Crossing. I'm shocked to actually know that. I'm shocked to see this out there that a lot of people this is their first Animal Crossing game. So um, it's and and they're really enjoying it. Like the game is doing very well, from what I can tell. The people are really digging it. But um, because the game takes place in real time, uh, Easter is coming up, or as they call it in Animal Crossing, Bunny Day. And from now until Easter, uh, basically all of your um, so every day in the game there's random holes you have to dig up, and they're usually fossils or occasionally bags of money. Um, you can hit various rocks in your in your uh, village, and the rocks will disperse uh, rocks. Uh, iron nuggets, gold nuggets, sometimes clay, you kind of resources for crafting things, or they'll also uh, one rock in your village every day will, when you hit it, it will give you money. So every day it's, you know, make it a point to do your chores and run around the top village and find the, the money rock, basically. And occasionally balloons will fly overhead with presents attached to them, and you'll, you'll use your slingshot, shoot down the balloon, you get a present. Usually, you know, one or two a day at best. And you fish. We've talked about this before. You fish in the game, and fish are, you know, varying degrees of common versus rare. The more rare, the more valuable they are, things like that. So, you you know, you just kind of, you go, you, you, that's, that's kind of the Animal Crossing day-to-day. Well, with Bunny Day coming up, there is now Bunny Day content in the game from now until Easter. And all those things I just explained, all these items that you generally want to look for, well, they're randomly uh, replaced by eggs. There's a big egg hunt happening from now until Easter. So it's like, oh, let's go fishing. And every oh other fish you catch is not a fish. It's an egg. And then you start digging up your holes looking for fossils because you want to get your fossils assessed so that you can donate the fossils to the museum and fill up your museum and build up your island's culture, etc. Yeah, well, every other hole you dig up now is an egg. And every rock you hit, you're probably going to get an egg. And it's getting really annoying and the eggs are becoming a problem <laughs> so i think if you're if, if you're new to the game don't hold this against them it'll be over after easter and you know things will return to normalcy until the next event but yeah i think nintendo is uh sending a bad message with the eggs but anyway animal Crossing's great i'm really enjoying it um yeah it, se- it seems like an event like that would probably be more suited for just like you know a weekend a weekend uh, or the the week two weeks of this is like oh my god this is really going to go on for another two weeks with these eggs like i'm come on yeah. man you're killing me here but anyway um so that's animal crossing which is getting a lot of my time uh do eternal so yeah um i'm real mixed on doom eternal and that so the, just the, the, so just some some background for the listeners if they're new to the show you are you're welcome thank you for joining us um but if you are unfamiliar drew is a big doom fan all the previous games and a huge fan of doom 2016 doom 2016 is like magic in a bottle man it is it is just mwah, chef's kiss Doom Eternal is what happens when someone in the... Basically, Doom Eternal is what happens when you have... uh, You're drunk on the success of your previous iteration, and everyone has ideas for the sequel, and whoever's whoever's in charge doesn't say no to any of those ideas. 
It is uh, messy. Uh, it's overstuffed. Um, I, I, it wasn't broken, but they went ahead and fixed a lot of things anyway. Now, I say all this, and as I'm getting more... As I'm playing it more, and I am now I'm like the third. I just finished the third level of the game. Um, it is getting better, uh, but let me just say, they ramped up the difficulty to an insane degree. They added all these new combat mechanics, and you and they all have cooldown times. You have to judge and. All of them are more or less essential to surviving the game. Um, like it's it's not fun. I mean, it's getting it's again, it's getting better. I'm starting to enjoy it more, but the first three levels have been nothing. They've been largely punishing and not in a rewarding way like they're more more in a frustrating oh my god what did they do kind of way uh and that really that irks me now people i have a friend who swears that after the third level everything will start to click and you know the game gets exponentially better i trust him and again as i am now leveling up more and more and i have more abilities at my disposal um like you know faster reload times and weapon upgrades and things like that yes it is getting better but man those first three levels is like being thrown into a meat grinder and it's just so unsatisfying like it's frustrating and that is not fun and doom 2016 was like yeah i i had challenges and but i never got like mad at it and i never like wanted to just give up on it and i've had moments in doom eternal i'm like what what is going on with this game why is it this bad and this is where all the elitist gamers will say lol get good and all that crap and i don't want to hear that nonsense that's you know what you want if you want masochism go play dead souls all you want i don't i'm not here for that and that's not what made Doom 2016 great. Doom 2016 got challenging. As you got new weapons, they ramped up the challenge. Like, it scaled really well. And, right. and it was designed really well. Man, Eternal is just, like, brutal. And, you know, I, I, I'm struggling. And, again, though, I say this, it is getting better. But I cannot shake this feeling that, like, they learned all the wrong lessons from Doom 2016. Not to mention... A point of pride in Doom 2016 is in the first, like, 10 seconds of gameplay, you wake up from your your hell coma, and you're greeted by, like, exposition voice that starts to tell you things, and Doom Sli- the Doom guy just grabs the screen speaking to him and throws it aside, as is to say, we don't give a crap about cutscenes and, and story, we're here to destroy stuff. Rip and tear, right. rip and tear, as the tagline goes, and Doom twenty sixteen embraced that to the fullest. Doom Eternal feels, dude, they drop you in. It feels like I missed a game of story in between. There is so much going on, and there is so much story and other characters and dialogue and cutscenes that they throw at you. It's like, did you guys like miss the memo on the last game? What 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 is all of this stuff? Like what? What? What's going on? Why? Why am I being? Yeah. I'm being. There, there is a, a massive amount of lore being thrust upon me right now. 
what, why, what is, why do I care about, should I care about any of this? I have no choice but to see it all. Like, this is kind of whack. Uh, it's, 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 it's a little jarring. There's a, there's an analogy I don't want to use because, I mean, I'll use it just for dramatic effect. I'm not saying the game is, uh, crap. The game is not crap, but I can't shake this feeling that it's 10 pounds of crap in a five pound bag. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it almost seems like in, in modern gaming, when we do get like a single player experience, it seems that balancing good gameplay with scaling difficulty is becoming more and more rare and harder to do. And then like you want it, you want to have a game that's fun and engaging to play, but you don't want it. You don't want to sacrifice challenge just to have fun. Like you still want it to be challenging. Right. 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 Like Spider-Man kept a really good balance of that. Yeah, it was it was challenging and it was constantly fun and like you said, Doom twenty sixteen kept a very good balance of that. But it seems like in a lot of our situations, it's just not the case. It's either one spectrum or another. Yeah, I mean, again, it is getting. I'm again three levels in, more abilities, more more level ups for a lot of my stuff, and it is getting like, oh, okay, there's the there. This is how it should feel, but. The fact that it's taken three levels to get to that point for me is like that. The man, someone, someone did not. That, that's 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 poor design. I just, you know, especially it's just disappointing because again, man, like 2016 was just so magical, and this one feels like, ah, uh, it just feels like a chore, and it, it, I don't like that. I was really anticipating this game, like, and, uh, real disappointment. I mean, again, it's not, I do not, I'm not saying I hate the game. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm not through it yet. Once, once I get further along, all of this is to be kind of reevaluated. I'm being, I'm trying to be as open as I can to it, but my upfront impressions are just like, this game is not what I expected it to be. And that is not a good thing (laughs) necessarily, but we'll see. But 2016 has a very, uh, special place in my heart so you know it, i i hate when something like that tends to uh you know let me down All right yeah that's understandable uh so that is yeah, that's a, that's been our weeks uh dear listeners welcome again we appreciate you being here if you would like to tell us about your weeks send us any questions or comments talk to us here at the show you can do so at the following social media locations you can follow us on Twitter at Devil's Do Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Do Pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devil's Do Podcast.com. Here we do have some emails from the and I'm pressed for time on this one. So we'll say from the Rick and Morty of the Devil's Do, oh, Mr. J. Jalasamino and Alan Waiters, I will let them fight over who gets to be who. All Starting right. with Mr. J. Jalasamino, Julian Carl, 
I've seen certain places saying the pandemic is going to destroy brick and mortar comic shops. Do you see this happening? Mm-hmm. I signed up for Marvel Unlimited this week just to read some older runs of things. It's not bad, but it's not the same. Can you see yourselves ever going full digital? So this kind of spirals. This is going to be kind of a combo with a, a news story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll kind of like do the two in one here. So Diamond Distributors, who are the only distributors for physical comics in the country, uh, announced that due to the current pandemic, they are ceasing distribution of new weekly titles. Uh, This is obviously not the news local comic shops wanted to hear as they obviously depend on their shipments for a new product to have on their shelf. And whereas this is not surprising, um, it's, it's a piece of news that we hoped uh, would not happen. And of, of all the things that are currently happening right now with this pandemic, obviously there are things that are more important than comic books. Um, but this is kind of our wheelhouse. This is what we talk about. And so this is what we're going to talk about right now. Drew, um, how bad is this for our local uh, mom and pop brick and mortar comic shops? Ooh, it ain't good. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's not good. Um, comics are not a lucrative industry. So if, if, if there are no comics, those comic shops are in peril. Um, and if the shops go under, ultimately, I mean, dude, monthly comics are, it's already a very niche medium. Um, it, it, the, it's not a very big deal anymore. It is to people who have collected their whole life, like you and I, uh, but we're kind of outliers now in the big picture of all this um comic books are are very i mean the the best-selling comic book today pales in comparison to the best to to the lowest selling comic book of the 90s you know so it's just not there anymore and if if the the shops go under comics aren't exactly being sold at the drugstore and and you know in in alongside periodicals and things like that so there's if there's nowhere to get them uh, that that's it. They're gone. Um, I, yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know if we've brought it up on the show. I brought it up in conversation a couple times to people, um, Marvel and DC. Anyway, you're talking about now. I mean, it's, it's, there's two ways to, th- to look at Marvel and DC. One way is that they're backed by such huge corporations that they can withstand this kind of, um, impact of, of, a, of a catastrophe like this. And then once things you know die down, they can continue to publish, yeah, as, just fire back up business as usual. Well, that's fine. Um, smaller publishers aren't going to have the same ability to withstand uh, a crisis like this. So your IDWs, your Dynamites, your you know what have yous, man, the, the money might dry up for them, and they might not be coming back once things come back. Um, and not only that, but the shops that used to sell the thing might not be there for them to have even product to get, you know, out there. 
So it's all it's all very uncharted waters, and it's it's not it's not good. It's frankly it's it's not good. The other way to look at the situation, it's also not good. Is Marvel and DC are owned by big companies? Can they with can they withstand uh, something like this? Yeah, but you know what else they could do? And I've and I've said this to, to people, and again, I don't know if I've talked about it here, but I'll bring it up again. When you're owned by a big company like that, um, they might have already been questioning why they're investing, whatever they're investing, into this niche cult market that ultimately is a, is a is a it's a fraction of a fraction on a spreadsheet that may or may not be in the black you know and if it's in the red it, it doesn't take much for one of them to just go like what do we need these for we own all the properties we're just going to put it into a billion dollar movie anyway who cares if we're still publishing it monthly uh over here for these for these nerds or what or whatever you know and I've thought about the prospect of Marvel and DC just up and up and getting out of the game altogether in recent years, um, more and more so in, the, in recent months. And now, I mean, if they're up, they're already suspending operation due to no distribution, and obviously, you know, no one to leave the house to go buy the stuff to begin with. But like, I, I don't know. I, I I worry about the future of comic books, and I just don't know. This might be it. It, it depends how long this goes on, but it's it's a it's a dark dark situation. Now, speaking personally, Alan asked if I'd ever go digital. Uh, no, Jay. I, I'm sorry, Jay. Jay. No, um, forgive me. No, I I won't. <laughs> I once yeah. once floppies are gone, dude. That's 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 it. My life as a comics fan is basically over. Yeah, um, I've always said that it's it's foreseeable that the medium will come to an end, not so much in our lifetime, but very possibly in our children's lifetime. Um, I think this definitely accelerates that. Um, but I, I don't think, see, we, we have to remember some things like you mentioned that, you know, Marvel, DC, and probably all the places have ceased production. And yes, they have ceased production, but you also have to remember uh, that comics are not produced. The comics themselves are not produced on a month-to-month basis. There's probably, for minimum, four or five months worth of books ready to printed, ready to go, ready to ship. Sure. So once, you know, depending on when this thing gets to a point where diamond can begin distribution again, you know, there's not going to be a mad rush to get comics out because the comics are there waiting to come out. Um, we had the second live show that we did when we did iron before we were talking about the evolution of the comic shop. And I think something like this is going to be much harder for those those older guard comic shops to absorb than it's going to be for newer wave comic shops. Because newer wave comic shops are very diversified. They don't just trade in comics alone. Like where I go for my books, Pulp 716, they are also a coffee house. So they're able to remain open because they serve food and beverage. Um, 
and a lot of the newer shops do things like that. So they are more diversified, whereas the older guard shops are strictly just comics. And that's, you know, that's well and good for, for the older guard shops. But now we're in a situation where, you know, we have this thing where even when it's over and diamond resumes distribution, like there's no, there's no big event or anything that's going to drive the people to the shops other than being able to get their monthly books again. And the problem is like, you're not going to have this massive influx of capital coming into the shop because you're just going to have monthly new books unless like for, let's say, all right, let's say for example, this thing goes three months from today. You know, diamonds not distributing for three months. And let's say for example, that, Marvel and DC, once Diamond announces they're distributing again, says, hey, we're going to ship the past three months all in one shot. I don't see that happening, but that would probably be the most beneficial situation for shops. Because then you've got people, readers, monthly readers, like you and I, who read multiple titles coming in and making a much larger purchase than we normally would make. So it's like a, a capital, a massive capital infusion over what they are normally expecting to get. Also, I think there is something to take into consideration that given the scope of the pandemic and how everything is being affected, it is very possible that a lot of these shops, uh, landlords will be lenient, I would hope, understanding that, you know, there's no way these shop owners can pay their rent if they can't open up and sell a product. So, I mean, it's difficult because like, you know, some of the, some of the bigger shops out there, like, you know, the Midtown comics and things like that, that have online distribution, they're going to be fine. You know, it's It's going to hurt. Um, but once it resumes because they have online distribution, they have way of, um, getting that capital in though, not at the level they're used to, they'll be fine. Um, newer wave comic shops, comic shops are more diversified in their product lines. I think they'll ultimately be okay. Um, they're not all going to be able to weather the storm, but I think that where we're going to have the hardest hits is in those older guard tried and true, um, been around for 20 plus years, more than that, uh, shops are going to find this very hard to absorb. And I can only hope that their landlords, um, can, you know, be understanding and we can, can kind of let them slide on this. But yeah, I don't, as far as going digital, you know, I'm with you in the extent where, if the physical copies are available, I'd much rather go to a shop and get the physical copy. Um, I have all the respect in the world for Marvel saying they're not releasing digital. Uh, originally they've been, what they've been doing for the past uh, 10 or so years is uh, digital and print are available on the same day. And originally when 
when that was announced, a lot of us thought that that was going to be like a big nail in the coffin of print. And it turned out it really wasn't like, yeah, it, people do it, but not in the scale that we feared they would. Um, Marvel said that they're not releasing their digital issues um, since Diamond stopped distributing, which I think is very good. It doesn't that because if they release digital with the print now coming out, that would just be a big middle finger to every comic shop out there. Well, that's um, and, and this is not a a, inter, a fanboy interjection on my end. This is this is what happened. DC was going to do that. They were going to yeah, keep going digitally. And uh, yeah, talk about again, man. Talk about spiting spiting the retailers who have supported them for all the, all those all these years. Um, yeah, that's a that would that, I think they've since backed off of that. But initially, they were saying yeah. they were gonna they were gonna keep going digital and like. Man, that that would have been a major blow. Yeah, from from what I understand, DC is searching for alternate distribution options. Um, but like, I was talking to the owner of the shop I go to, Pulp Seven One Six, and she said that like if they started doing that, you know, a year ago or something, they'd probably be ready to go within the next couple months. But things like this take so long to set up that's not realistic that they're able to find something like that. I, I, so ultimately, that, I, I, I've pondered this for a long time and I understand, you know, the, the reason why I know, I know the history behind it. I know the pros and cons of it, but I, I still can't help but think that having all your eggs in diamonds basket just doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I said, I, I get it. When but, I was talking yeah, when I was talking to the shop owner, I said, listen, I don't want anyone to lose their job over this, but if if Diamond went under, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And I feel bad for saying this, but if you talk to any shop owner, anyone that has to deal with Diamond as a distributor, Diamond is terrible. <laughs> Diamond is horrible. Unless you're buying in massive, massive bulk, like something like a Midtown Comics or like something like that. Yeah, Diamond treats you like garbage because they're the only game in town, and they know it. Yeah, that that shouldn't be, man. I, and again, I don't, yeah. know, I don't know the much past the fact that they are the only game in town. I don't know what a what a multiple distribution system would look like for for this. Uh, so. Believe me, I'm sure someone out there has much better grasp on all this. About why Diamond is is actually like the 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 despite being terrible, the best way to, to do it because the alternative might be worse. I know when Marvel tried to get away from them in the '90s, it it went very very poorly. So maybe history's on Diamond's side, but it's still no way to run a business treating treating people terribly. So I don't know. I again, this this is a shrinking niche market. And, you know, uh, I want it to live forever, but I, I, I'm aware that it, it won't. Yeah. So we, uh, we will see, this is definitely a story we will continue to follow and pay attention to very closely, but moving on to Jay's next question, this Mm -hmm. is directed to you, Drew. If figure four and wrestling observer ever split off, who would you choose Brian or Dave? Oh God. What a Sophie's choice. Um, uh, you're gonna have to give give us some uh some quick background on I, well, this of what Jay's talking about. Dave Meltzer is the um leading 
journalist in the wrestling world uh, and has been for 30, probably 30 to 40 years. I mean, it's been his life. Um, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter has been the premier insider newsletter for wrestling for that amount of time. Now, the, it, the people in the know or people in the business that want to discredit the newsletter because either they don't like being exposed for the poor business people they are or if they have an axe to grind or they're trying to protect storylines or whatever reason you want to discredit a news organ a, a journalist or a you know news outlet some guys have access to grind with Dave but generally speaking he is correct uh, the majority of the time he is a quality journalist he will issue retractions and uh, apologies when he's incorrect and he's the gold standard of wrestling journalism. Brian Alvarez runs Figure Four Weekly, which the the two are basically inseparable right now. Uh, the, from a web standpoint, the Observer is published on figure, F4WOnline.com. <clears throat> uh, Brian Alvarez is primarily a radio host. He hosts Wrestling Observer Live uh, every day, and he does other podcasts as well, which are all fantastic. Brian is a more of a personality than Dave. He's not really a journalist in the way that Dave Meltzer is. Brian is more of a host and Brian is also a wrestler. Um, I mean, he's, he's winding down now. He's in his forties. He's never really signed with WWE or anything like that, but he is a, he, he is a wrestler. He has experience in the ring. Um, and he knows the business inside and out. And he's been involved in it for about 20 years or more. And uh, but he's more of a host, and he has a lot more of a fiery personality as a host, and he's a lot of fun to listen to. And and when he goes on a tear on something that that he really hates, it is like audio gold. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, but between the two of them, uh, they they make a good. Uh, they're they're a great tandem, and um, I'm I've subscribing to the Observer with Jay has been just uh, fantastic. Um, uh, it's it's a great resource for information, and the podcasts are amazing with Brian and Dave. Now, who would I choose? Um, I would choose probably Dave, just because I'm as much as I love Brian's unhinged takes at times, and you know, just generally speaking, he's a great he's a great host. Um, I do like uh, factual information, and I do like to learn things. Um, you know, I, I do like knowing businessy stuff about wrestling and. Uh, you know why things happen the way they happen and dave is is excellent at those things so uh just me me personally i would go with dave but i wouldn't i wouldn't spite anyone for going with brian should should they ever split up but they never will they're they're too good all righty uh carl was an awkward question mm. sexier robot rc or dot matrix from space balls um <laughs> Jay, I, I'm not attracted to robots in that way. Um, but if you're forcing me to choose, I'm going to have to go RC, uh, mainly because the the Joan Rivers voice would be an instant no thank you. <laughs> fair um, fair uh, enough. The Don Matrix. So yeah, all right, Jay, thank you very much for the questions. Now moving on to Mr. Alan Waiters. Gentlemen, hope all is well. I'm progressing in the war against the bulge. Down 21 pounds. Hashtag make Alan great again. Uh, Alan Carl. Yes. Alan's killing it. He's he is killing it. it He's, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 
I'm on the cusp of 20 pounds myself. So um, I, 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 I'm with you, Alan. We can do this. We're in this together. I'm down. It's Car- uh, right now, Carl. It's like 19. I want that. I can taste that 20. Uh, anyway. Are you still on the uh, the DDP yoga? Still doing DDP yoga uh, about three times a week, and ultimately, um, that that's that is that is good. Don't get me wrong; it it it, it is a, very, a great thing to do. Exercise is fantastic. Um, I, I recommend exercise to everyone. But um, one thing I'll I'll just want to I just want to put out there and caution everyone and remind everyone: uh, the words of uh, Steve Austin, "You can't out train a bad diet." So, uh, diet, 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 calories in calories out. That will make all the difference in the world in, in your goals for weight loss. If you're, if you're working out, but then you, after your workout, you go and eat like crap. I got bad news for you. You, your workout was all for naught. So, um, diet. And in my case, I'm, I'm, I, my calorie intake is slashed. I, I have slashed my calorie intake, and uh, it is it hard at first. Yeah, not, I'm not not trying to derail Alan here. I just want to get this off my chest before we continue. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's hard. I'm not gonna lie. It it it's not fun at first, but you adapt and your appetite decreases. Um, as you intake less over time, and you don't want those big ungodly portions anymore and you know you will stop yourself from taking the extra slice of pizza or you know indulging in the late night snack yeah don't do that (laughs) after dinner call it a day man that's it go to bed wake up and have breakfast um read your food labels know your portion sizes that information is there it's there for you use it to your advantage know what you're putting in your body know what you likely are expending every day for your lifestyle and eat accordingly. And if you do that, I promise you, if that's all you do, if you don't exercise at all, but you adhere to a strict caloric limit for yourself, you will see results. And exercise on top of that, man, now now you're you are doing it right. You will you will you will achieve all of your dreams. Anyway, um, twenty one pounds for Alan. That's awesome, dude. Congratulations. That's that's killer. That that getting to crossing the twenty threshold is going to be great for me. I feel like I'm kind of stuck where I'm at right now, but I I will get there. So great job, Alan. Alrighty, indeed. Drew and Carl, have you guys thought of virtual board gaming and have your audience watch us play? Hmm. What are the best board games you recommend to your listeners during the time of quarantine? Um. I have no way of streaming a board game. That that, that seems like it will require a lot of coordination. <laughs> but as far as virtual board gaming go, obviously, since this thing has been going on, we have not been able to have our game night. Um, and another thing that has was momentarily robbed from me at the beginning of this whole thing was X-Wing. Uh, I have since found a way to X-Wing. Yes. So there are two programs out there that have have seen a massive spike in usage, obviously, since the pandemic hit. Uh, The first one is a program called Vassal. 
which is basically just kind of like a JavaScript program. Um, it's, it's very basic in its visual presentation, a lot of hotkeys to learn, as Java is like to do. Um, but it's free, so what have you. Um, the, on the other end of the spectrum is a program that you can get on Steam. And actually, I believe Steam Tape just started a 50% off sale on this program the week after I bought it. <laughs> Isn't that, that's, so, that's so great. Um, yeah, uh, it's called Tabletop Simulator. And this program... You buy the program, then you buy, you can buy games to play on it. And the games you can play on it are board games. Um, like you can purchase Blood Rage for Tabletop Simulator and play Blood Rage. And it's very, the, from what I understand, the program was designed with virtual reality in mind, but works. Like, it takes a little bit to kind of learn how to move and rotate and zoom in, zoom out on the camera. But once you do, the controls are very intuitive. And it's like a full graphical presentation of the board game and all the pieces and whatnot. And so, like, the the app itself on Steam, uh, when I purchased it, was $20. Uh, but now you can get it for $10. And then the games that you purchase for it are about 5 to 6 bucks. Uh, pop the X-Men one because it is not official was free, which is nice. Um, but it's still like a full, it's people are tending to like it better than Vassal because it's, um, it's an actual representation of the board and like you're moving the pieces around like normally would. So, but as far as games that are on tabletop simulator, uh, wingspan that we played with Alan on there, blood rage, which I know is, is one of Jen's favorites. Uh, a bunch of the tiny epic games around there, both tiny epic westerns and tiny epic galaxies around there. So, I mean, the idea of virtual board gaming is definitely uh, not off the table, no pun intended. But I feel in as much in my hesitation to do our show virtually as we're doing it now, you're in your place, I'm in my place, we're doing this over Skype, um, you definitely lose something in the virtual world. So it's not that I'm opposed to trying it out. You know, if you guys like said, Hey, we want to try this or even like, cause I think the only game we really, all three of us have is King of Tokyo and just kind of set up a zoom meeting and, you know, kind of try to figure out a way to do it that way. Um, I'm not opposed to it. I have no way in which we would be able to stream that. Um, yeah, like my, my cameras are either on my phone or on my laptop. I don't think setting either one of those up for a stream is going to look good. Yeah. Uh, I, again, they, you know, it's funny. They do have a way for us to play games, uh, together, um, in some sort of, uh, streaming video format. It's called video games. <laughs> Should we want yeah. to, we could play video games together on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any, anyway. Um, yeah. You, 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 me and Alan need to get into like a Mario Kart battle or something. So we all got Mario Kart. 
It's all this coordination. Uh, <laughs> I don't have time for that. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't have time for my friends. I mean, I, I do, but this, you know, come on. I, I don't even think, I don't even think Alan's on my friends list on my Switch. Because the, you know, I never got his 68 digit friend code. Stupidest thing. The, the Switch um, uh, online setup is also, you know, not necessarily the best. So anyway, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. So that, as far as games um, that I recommend during the quarantine, uh, Marvel Champions is a single player mode. I played a couple times. Yeah, it's great. Um, I'm not really sure beyond that. You really got to look for if you have a spouse or someone you're living with that is in the games and great. You know, there's some stuff out there. Um, I know Sagrada just came out with a mobile app, so you can kind of play games with others across that. But yeah, I'm not really sure what to recommend. As far oh god, what's my son crying about now? Uh oh. Apparently, he might if given given the volume and intensity of the cry. He must have done something bad, and Julie had to turn off the switch. Uh oh. Either oh, actually no, it's it's his bedtime. It's, it's so that's probably that's probably. Um. So yeah, what do you guys far as recommendations for games to play during quarantine? Non video games. You're you're on your own, dude. I don't know. <laughs> Solitaire. <laughs> <laughs> Dynamite dropping, Drew. <laughs> Board, game, uh, board games without friends is no is, is no fun. So, yeah, uh, Carl, what is Williams' favorite episode of GI Joe so far? How do the old cartoons from the eighties stack up now? Um, I you know what, Alan, I don't think he has a favorite episode so far. He, he loves them all. Um, as far as how do they stack up? Uh, GI Joe is one of the few that maintains a high quality. Even even by today's standards, yeah, there's some stuff happens here that you're like, physics doesn't work like that. <laughs> uh, but and yeah, like there's uh, guns going everywhere, no one ever actually gets shot, and you know people always manage to bail out of the vehicle and things like that. But it still holds up; it's still really great. Um, actually, I forgot that early on in the series, it wasn't. Uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow that were the big rivalry. It was Storm Shadow and Spirit. Ah, forgot about that. It, it makes sense. Also, in the in the first miniseries, I always saw strange how the uh, Cobra had the traditional uh, tried and true GI Joe sound effects for their weapons, but GI Joe had more realistic uh, gunfire sound effects for their weapons. See, I have no memory of that, but uh, I would... I would yeah, I, yeah, go back and watch it. It's, it's jarring. I would guess that that yeah. was maybe the case for the first uh, miniseries, uh, or the first two miniseries, and then once it became an actual series, like picked up with seasons, they probably changed that. Yeah. So, yeah. But he's loving it, and they, they hold up really well. I definitely recommend checking them out. Uh, Drew, will you get a drone... Name it Celestino One. <laughs> have a little long, cold, dark T-shirt, <laughs> and release the hounds while having a little bit of the bubbly. Oh, yes, I will do all of those things. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, you have to watch AEW and by by to a larger extent uh, the the Broken Matt Hardy saga, which now spans several wrestling companies, but. 
is all brilliantly amazing, and it is now gone to AEW, and Chris Jericho fits fits right in because he's just so game to 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 he is Chris Jericho is incredible and he is so perfect to just fit right into all this madness and not miss a beat and it's just it's it has been uh great so far and it's only been two weeks and it's been great uh yeah it's I I caught the um I'm not a regular subscriber of Chris Jericho's podcast but I downloaded the episode where he interviewed uh Matt Hardy and it was cool I, I learned a lot um Okay, then Alan goes on and asks, you got like three questions. Oh, God. One. That's okay. Um, um, is Animal Crossing the perfect video game right now since it's a game of stuff you want to do outdoors but currently can't? <laughs> it's a great game for our times, yes. Uh, it, it, it's, <laughs> Apparently, if by outdoors you mean searching for eggs, then yes. Yeah, really. No, you know, it, it's a good... It, if we need something to relax us and give us some comfort in these trying times uh, animal crossing is great for that but i will caution you um if you have any sort of uh well how do i want to put this <laughs> there is a materialistic uh um competition streak in animal crossing if you want to look for it and if you are looking online and seeing other people's islands in various states of uh luxury and 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 people with with it's like watching uh mtv cribs in a way or whatever like seeing people's houses that are way nicer than yours and you get jealous and upset like um it, that that can that can maybe ruin it a little bit for you so i would caution you to just be aware of that and don't don't make it a competition just enjoy it at your own pace which is what it's there for but there's also a strong uh um cautionary tale in animal crossing about capitalism if you if you're look if you want to get real deep <laughs> and um it's it's not great <laughs> so um but again don't let that ruin the game for you but just 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 be aware next time tom nook like takes now granted his loans are you know no interest so that's nice but they are kind of predatory and that you know you have no real alternative but to go into debt to Tom Nook to get what you want in the game and he makes you do all the legwork for all the things that you want while doing nothing himself really so uh there's a metaphor in there somewhere anyway okay it's a great game it's a, it's a great game <laughs> and lastly Drew what new recipes have you come up with in the kitchen since the quarantine oh man not so much anything new but well I whipped up a good uh uh um broccoli uh chicken uh pasta uh with some pesto and 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 uh yeah it was good last night i did that um i've been cooking up a storm um i mean just not necessarily i mean i guess out of out of necessity but i i do enjoy cooking as it is but i'm I, maybe i'm using using current events to kind of take advantage of that to a degree and cook more but um I'm making a lot of pizza, ironically, which I never really have done before, but now I'm like making my own dough a lot more and uh it's been really great. I've got it down to a pretty much a science now and it's really, really good. So I'm enjoying making pizzas. Um I've made uh I had a little Thanksgiving uh dinner last Saturday in March. I made stuffing and uh turkey. That was great. Um I've done chicken parm, I've done you know, all my staples. 
I made sauce. I've I've done uh, all kinds of great stuff. Um, I um, I'd like to make a beef stew. I think before uh, before April's over. Um, anything else going on that I've made? Yeah, that that's about it. Just yeah. Um, I am cooking a lot more. I feel like, but I enjoy it a lot. Cool. All right, um, I, that, Alan, thank you very much. Let's get to it for his questions and the questions of the week. All right. Cool. And, you know, based on the, the questions I asked, pretty much covered what we had for the news. So, yeah. Unless you can think of anything else, Drew, from the news. Uh, it's all bad, so no. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're here to uplift and provide distraction during this time. Uh, so we don't, you know, a lot of the news right now is not favorable. No, so, especially in the uh, entertainment uh, section that we currently dabble in. So we'll sum up the news like this: everything you were waiting for has been pushed back. Yeah, that's that's really it. And and there's nothing more to say. I mean, I it, I saw yeah. I saw Marvel. Every, every every news story is a derivative of that. Yeah, I saw Marvel put out like an updated schedule, and it's like you know what? Even this is like optimistic at this point. Now, like, until until there's some semblance of of normalcy on the horizon, anything that you see right now is speculative at best. It's just, you know, right? I it just you want news? It's me shrugging my shoulders, going, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. It's been pushed back. Yeah. That's the news. It's that's that's it's, really it. We're not going to have a summer movie season. No, no, yeah. no. Maybe next year. Uh, yeah. Which, I mean, is it the worst thing in the world? I don't know. That's a that's a discussion for another time. That's a that's a uh, de- that's a deep question. Yeah, and it's I, it's kind of funny. The that could, that could be asked yeah. about a lot of stuff right now, and I'm sure. I don't know. Right. There's a certain, because actually uh, this past week I watched Endgame again. Yeah. And there's a certain level of truth to the scene with, uh, with Steve and Natasha early on in the film where Steve drops by the compound to do his laundry. And he's like, Hey, you know what? Saw a pot of whales in the harbor today. And, you know, less, less people, less pollution, things like that. Yeah, we don't, we don't want it to be because of what's currently going on, but like they've, they've released studies that like, since this thing started, air pollution has dropped dramatically. Yeah. So, I mean, what I guess what I'm saying is people. Feel like Captain America. Uh, Try to look outside. Yeah, Sh- shave the beard. Look on the bright side. Be like Cap. <laughs> I mean, some would say Cap should have kept that beard. Yeah, some would say that, but it, it was majestic. I'm not going to lie. It it was majestic. It, <laughs> it was. Um. So yeah, so that that'll kind of do it for the news. Uh, which brings us to the subject this week. Uh, last week we started our deep dive look at the Star Wars films with the original film, Star Wars Episode 4 New Hope. Uh, this week we go on to 
arguably the most important Star Wars film. Easily. Uh, Easily. Star, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew, like we've said with this, we don't just want to sit here and talk about how cool it is and, and you know, give a, a B for B review of the film. You know, if you're listening to us, you have most likely watched Empire Strikes Back. You have most likely watched Empire Strikes Back multiple times. Possibly, yeah. like yours truly, in the triple digits over your lifetime. Most likely, yeah. So, what? how we're trying to approach this is just kind of to take a deeper dive and look at why these films have had the staying power they've had. Empire offers a very unique opportunity here because we see how storytelling and empire is a great example of how storytelling is organic and evolves as it goes on and shifts and changes and things that weren't necessarily planned or intended at the moment the pencil was put to the paper to write the story uh kind of evolve and develop and we see empire is uh, if you were to draw comparisons i mean obviously like two of the biggest things going on right now in pop culture is you know star wars and and the marvel cinematic universe i thought you were going to say tiger king no i no. <laughs> Do you ask me how much I care about Tiger King? Probably about as much as I do, Carl, which is not at all. Okay, great. Moving right along. Um, So if you were to draw a comparison, if I was to draw a comparison between Empire and a film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I would draw the comparison between this and Captain America Winter Soldier. I was going to say, it's got to it's be Winter Soldier. It's, 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 the game, because, it's the game changer. Yeah, it's, it's the game changer. It's where the story turned and showed that it can be a much more serious tone. I don't like to necessarily use the phrase darker tone or finger quotes, but a more serious tone. Sure. And... Uh, just like everything kind of changes here. The whole, the whole franchise pivots here from the direction it was going in the first film and takes a very hard left in empire and doesn't really ever turn back. I, well, I, I would, uh, I would maybe clarify it a little bit. I don't know that it, it changed. Uh, I don't know if it's a hard left, but what it, what it does is all the stuff in Star Wars and A New Hope that was on the fringes or the the bigger world that was maybe alluded to or hinted at, um, whatever you thought you understood or knew after Episode Four, Empire elevates and expands all of it. And it doesn't get lost along the way. Like... It doesn't stumble. It expands everything that was already there, and it raises the stakes even higher. Um, and it does it perfectly organically, and it doesn't force anything. 
it, it, it just makes everything that much bigger. And in the words of Obi-Wan in the previous movie, you've, it, it takes its, it, it, it has taken its first steps into a much larger world. Empire is that larger world. Um, while remaining very laser focused on our protagonists and their struggle. Um, it doesn't get lost in that larger world. It, it shows it to you. It shows you a lot of different parts of it, but it's also focused solely on our, our characters and um, why we love them. And everyone kind of grows. So Luke, uh, Luke in the first movie in a new hope, he doesn't really have an arc, <laughs> so to speak. He's a farm boy. He wants right. to get off the farm and he does. Okay, cool. Leia, you know, she's Rebel Princess and at the beginning, and she's Rebel Princess at the end. Cool. Han has an arc. That's fine. But in Empire, okay, well, now Luke's got an arc. He wants to be a Jedi, and he's going to get taught some hard-ass lessons to get there across this film. Um, Han uh, and Leia's arc, obviously, they both have an arc in this film. Um, it's, it's a very satisfying movie. Like it's a satisfying film to watch. The script is great. The set pieces are great. Um, it, it all holds together amazingly well. None of it feels contrived or 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 eye rolling. It it, it date it's it has it's, it dates very well. Like none of it feels dated. It's I've you know I remember watching it in the last uh, I don't know maybe five ish years with uh, my sister and my dad. Because my sister's kind of into Star Wars, but she's like way younger, so the prequels are still kind of like not a, a dirty word to her, but whereas they are to me. Right. But we watched, like, hey, let's watch Empire Strikes Back. And like we watch it, I'm just like, man, this movie is like bulletproof. This this thing is is for in all the ways that Star Wars is magic, Empire is like more magic. Right, but it's a, it's a very different kind of magic. Oh, totally, totally, um, totally different than, than the first one. And it's also like it's in that, like that holy trilogy of second movies that are just mind-blowingly so amazing and so much better a film than the original. It's not always the, the case, being, though. The other two being Godfather Part Two, and you can say The Dark Knight. I well, I mean, I don't know, look. look there's been a lot of sequels that are not as good. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right, obviously. Uh, Empire is in the company of the ones that, that are as good as the original, or better. Um, so, you know, I don't want to get too crazy about it, but like the, the reason why Empire, I think, stands out is that it's, it's the best of the original trilogy. If there was never a third, you know, I don't know that Empire necessarily gets put on the, on the pedestal that it does, because Star Wars is such a great movie unto itself. But because it's like the best of a three movie set that it, it has been, you know, it, it obviously elevates it more in our right. in our mind. Um, but hey, what an elevation, you know, I mean, it, it, it like, I, like I said, it just takes everything and, and brings it up that much further, expands the view that much further. Um, right. And and again, kind of like going back to what I was saying about how storytelling is organic and changes as the story progressive progresses sometimes not intentionally from what you set out to tell. And I think it's important here to really pick up with where we left off 
in Star Wars, when we were closing up our episode on Star Wars, we'd realize that we never mentioned Vader throughout all of Star Wars. That's interesting. Yeah, and, we, do, we didn't Vader, talk about Vader. And Vader, Empire is essentially Vader's film. Uh, uh, yeah. Kind of. And he goes through such a change from what he was in Star Wars. And, and you said it a couple times, I think, and, and this is really got a good opportunity for you to expand on this. Maybe not just right at this moment, but we'll get to it eventually. Um, you said that Vader and folks, by the way, spoilers, if you haven't seen, you, you said that Vader being Luke's father is the best and worst thing to happen to Star Wars. It, yeah. So, yeah. And eventually, you know, obviously we're going to land on that, but we really have to see, like, we take a look at Vader in Star Wars. And he is... He's a henchman. Yeah. That's really he, it. He is, he is the, the top henchman, and Tarkin is the main villain. Right, right. Vader's just a cool so, guy, guy with a cool helmet who works for Tarkin. <laughs> right. And what what the original Star Wars trilogy doesn't have that a lot of uh, genre trilogies have had in recent years was knowing that there's going to be more than one film. The original Star Wars trilogy is kind of disjointed in that uh, Star Wars itself is very self-contained. Yes, there is a, an opening left or a sequel at the end of it because Vader just kind of spins off and doesn't really get a proper comeuppance, if you will, in right. the end. Right. But it's very self-contained. And then it becomes the phenomenon that it becomes, and we know that we're going to get more films. Empire is, you know, kind of continues a lot of the groundwork that was laid in Star Wars. And Jedi, whereas still being a sequel to Empire, still feels like a very different film than Empire felt. We'll talk about Jedi um, when the time comes, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but Vader changes so much from Star Wars to Empire. Yeah, he, in that he's just, he, he's he's just a henchman. Center. Yeah, in this one, he is like we see the first appearance of Palpatine in Empire, and we see that you know he is still not. You know, supreme commander of the imperial forces, he is essentially one A. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he, it's, it's weird. Like he, he both gets promoted and yet demoted in the same movie. <laughs> so he's not working for Tarkin anymore, and he's very much the lead antagonist of the picture. So he's promoted, but then it's like, oh, but remember that guy we told you about in in, in a line of dialogue in the first movie? Um, well, here he is. Granted, he is a half chimpanzee head, half uh, you know human lower jaw in a hologram, but still, it's the Emperor. We do get to see him, and Vader bows before him, so we you know get a little more of that dynamic. And yeah, Vader is now serving the Emperor directly. And again, uh, the Emperor, who was mentioned only in passing in A New Hope, we now see him uh, for the first time for reals. So, let's get to your statement of Vader being Luke's father, being the best 
and worst thing that could have ever happened to Star Wars. So, go. (laughs) (laughs) Go. Oh. Well, let's look at it, okay? I'm, I'm unleashing the hounds. Okay, okay. It's it's the best thing in that like what a what a cliffhanger. What a dramatic moment um that that is. And think about again, Luke is our POV character, right? And right. he is, you know, in the first movie, he he learns from Obi-Wan this kind of like hidden hidden history of his father that he never knew uh his life. And his father was like this great pilot. He was a hero of these mysterious clone wars and he did all this stuff and Luke didn't know. And oh, by the way, he was betrayed and killed by a pupil of mine named Darth Vader. And now like, you know, you have this. So Luke's Luke's desire to get off this planet is now intertwined with this pseudo, you know, revenge driven to a degree um, mission uh against vader personally so that's kind of in his mind like hey this guy killed my father and he's also in the empire and now i am the kid who blew up the death star the empire's big weapon now i am like you know the lead i'm the lead uh i'm leading the charge against this empire at this point now you know um and it's and it's somewhat personal despite the fact that the characters have only briefly face-to-faced if at all in the film um, so Empire's trajectory is about Luke learning the ways of the force like his father, becoming like his father, and it all builds and builds and builds until he has to confront the guy who killed his father. And it's, and then again, you know, spoilers for a movie that is like as old as we are, <laughs> uh, for, he is his father, uh, what a moment, what a, what a moment. And that's after that moment comes after our heroes have been through the ringer. Luke has just had his hand cut off and he is ready. I mean, this, this is like, it's dire straits. It is the moment of truth. And we get this reveal and Luke reacts as you might, as, as one might learning this information with the, the no heard around the world. And, uh, commit you know resigns himself to whatever fate he resigns himself to when he lets go of the pole and just falls down the the, the pit and ends up surviving and whatnot but that's the, that's basically the end of the movie there's no you know closure from this it, 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 you know so as far as like endings go empire leaves you with so many questions and so much to unpack and you wouldn't get an answer to those questions for three more years um yeah, and it also taught you know star. It taught George Lucas a, a, a small lesson in that a, a twist can be a powerful thing, and you know this is where the worst thing. This is where the worst. So the reveal is the best thing because it's amazing. It's just again it from a from a character standpoint, from a surprise standpoint, a twist standpoint. It's just dramatically amazing. However. Like I was saying earlier with Doom 2016 versus Doom Eternal, sometimes you can learn the wrong lessons. Oh, well, we had a twist. We had some kind of familial twist. We better do that again. So what happens in Jedi? We get this revelation that Leia is Luke's sister. And, I'm, you know, we'll talk about Jedi when the time comes. But, like, eh. 
you know that wasn't part of the plan all along. Like the whole notion, right. the whole notion of a grand plan really starts to fall apart on its face really quickly when you stop and look at the whole thing. And you feel like it was only there because we had to reveal something in this movie because we did this big reveal in Empire and everyone loved that, so we have to do it again. And okay. And on top of that, the moment was so powerful that Vader's prominence uh, started to overshadow his perceived prominence in these films started to overshadow his actual importance to the, to the events in the star Wars kind of universe. And what did that get us? Well, that got us the prequels and ultimately I could go on all day about that, but I feel like we'll get the, there. the, the Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker specifically, uh, you know, it, it just overtook the franchise. Now that happened over time. So I'm trying to keep things centered on empire here, but yeah. this is Luke's story. Okay. And the moment that Vader reveals is his father is kind of like the, the first step into like, nope, it's not. And George going, George, George being George, Oh, it's really Anakin's story all along. Well, no, <laughs> no, it's not. He was just a guy. He was just a guy. He was yeah, just- I mean, you, you go back and you watch Star Wars, and then you watch Empire, and you know anyone who has any experience, at least even trying to attempt to tell a story, can tell you that Vader was not Luke's father. When Star Wars was made. Right. And became Luke's father at some point in the process of Empire being made. And yeah. again, that goes like stories change and go in different directions from when you first set them to table. Sure. No, I'm, and you I'm know, not. Story, stories take on an organic growth of their own. And if they, I would ar- even argue if they don't, then it's not that good a story. I mean, reaction is, reaction is part of the storytelling process. If if people are not receiving something well, you're probably not going to want to double down on it, you know, in the story going forward. So, you know, that's all fine. But seeing as, you know, where it all ended up, I definitely have reservations about where it ended up. Um, but anyway, best and worst thing to happen to Star Wars. <laughs> Because no, because, and, and, and because let's look let's look at it this way. What do we know about Star Wars um, in the first movie and in an Empire? We kind of know that there's this this huge galactic community. Like like we've said before, the outskirts of it, the Mandalorian kind of stuff. These seedier underbelly parts that we don't, for whatever reason, get to see that much anymore, or at least didn't get to see for a long time. All these interesting infinite possibilities that we had. Once Vader reveals he's Luke's father, now it's all about this family dynamic crap, and it's all about the Force and destiny and Jedi versus Sith and all that underbelly stuff, all those other angles, all the back alley crime stuff and the cantina and the the smugglers and all this other stuff that was really interesting and cool becomes totally superfluous and unimportant at the expense of all this familial drama Destiny, Force, Jedi, Sith stuff that just gets forced at, like that becomes Star Wars, 
period after the after this point before before that happens all the other stuff in Star Wars is still kind of a valid part of Star Wars and in, I mean it's all valid but you know what I mean like in in the first movie it's all kind of on equal footing once you get to Empire Strikes Back Luke I am your father well now suddenly that's kind of like the pivot point where now it's about this. It is about Jedi versus Sith. It's about robes and and councils and whatever. The, whatever. Like, that becomes the thing. And all the other cool stuff gets swept under the rug. To a degree. Well, see, I, I don't line up with you 100% there. Because when you go back and look at the original trilogy, almost... <sighs> Roughly 90% of the original trilogy takes place in those areas that you're talking about. You know, backwater planets, the the undesirable places. Like, you look at Star Wars, it starts out on Tatooine, which is like the backwater of the backwater in the Star Wars galaxy. And then for the first quarter of the movie, they're on Tatooine. Next, quarter, next rest of the movie, they're either on the Death Star or they're in space. But that's in the Empire, first movie. That's in the first movie. Before... B- before Empire, Yeah, no. Empire starts out on Hoth, where there's literally nothing but snow and tauntauns and wampas. Right. Um, then moves to Cloud City, which is like a... It's a nice-looking place, but it's not like... It's not Coruscant, it's not, you know, it's basically a very fancy gas station in a, in a planet that's not, again, kind of part of the Outer Rim. And then we're in Dagobah, which is a swamp. And then Jedi, we're back at Tatooine, and then we're on Endor, which is just a forest. Mm-hmm. So we're not really, mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're, like, in Empire and, I'm, I'm, I'm not and speaking- Jedi, the... Well, to, to be to just to clarify, you're you're talking about locations specifically. I'm talking more thematically and what the plot is about, what what the narrative thrust is. And well, no, I uh, I get that, but even even with Empire and Jedi, you know, the word Sith is not mentioned no. in either film. No, it's, it's not. But but the, it's but, some, it's something that is created in a lot of the ancillary material, and you know, Lucas creates it to yeah, yeah, you no. know, give a name. To, I, I, I get that. I get that. But but the the narrative the narrative thrust shifts from being Star Wars being this wild west, uh, this wild west in space kind of thing, to being very strictly, or at least very the majority of it being about this old religiony good and evil thing. Destinies and and prophecy and yada yada, that becomes the thrust of all of it. Like in, it start it, it starts the moment Vader reveals that he's Luke's father, and then Jedi takes that and goes that much further with it. And then here we are, prequel trilogy, sequel trilogy, and that's kind of what Star Wars has been. But it all starts more or less when Vader reveals he's Luke's father. No, I get that. I don't. I don't disagree with that. Um, I think a lot of what you're referring to developed more in the ancillary material that came after the three films, and in the years of like fans 
you know, contributing to the what at the time was canon, now considered, you know, the legend and things like that. Um, but just kind of getting back to Empire with with Vader having the arc that he has in Empire, especially like the moments of you know James Earl Jones' performance. Uh, just oh, he's excellent. Incredible. Like really gets to stretch his legs in this one. Um, I mean, yes, it's it's Luke's story, but it's I still feel that like this is Vader's movie. Oh, dude, he is he's he's great. Oh. He's fantastic in it, and he gets a lot yeah. of great scenes, and you get to see him in various states too. Like uh, the 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 scene with him in the, in his pod with the helmet coming down, you see the back of his scarred head. Like man, talk about capturing the imagination. Like you know, you, we had no yeah. I, we have no idea in A New Hope, what was underneath that mask or whatever. In Empire, we, we get just this, the smallest of glimpse that this this guy is, is, you know, there's a guy in there and he's messed up. And it's like, it right. captures the imagination. It's it's wild. And, you know, Star Wars was was, was <laughs> really good at that um, when it was really good, when, when these movies were made, man. Like, it was really good at at capturing your imagination and making you just just lighting it on fire, making you think what else is going on, what more is out there, what have I not seen, um, and how cool it all it all could be. Right, I think one of the the genius things about Empire is, and something that oftentimes gets forgotten when people are discussing Empire because it is so much Vader's movie. The whole movie hindered on a puppet. Yeah, it kind of did. Hindered on uh, a glorified Muppet, if you will. And if Yoda doesn't Yoda, work, yeah, if Yoda doesn't work, like the a lot of the movies kind of sunk. <laughs> yeah, and just you know, and something that say what you will about the sequel trilogy. One of the things that I'm really glad that they did was get back to practical effects yep. when possible. Absolutely, ah, because dude. you won't you won't get a complaint with from me here. <laughs> yeah, Yoda is just so believable and works so well as a visual character. It's just it's. You know, obviously, when we first see this movie, we're kids, so so our minds are more apt to accept this as a living, breathing character. Yeah, but it holds even up, now, dude. so many years later, you go back and watch it, you're like, "That's that that's that's fantastic. It, that just works so well." It's not. It's a look. It's a great looking puppet. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's expressive and uh, it looks good and. Frank Oz is the you know Frank Oz's performance is the voice obviously helps tremendously but like yeah and and working the puppet yeah like people yeah. forget that 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 performance there's two parts of that performance there's the voice and then there's the actual movement performance that he does there yeah and it's it's great man like that Yoda Yoda is a, a marvel <laughs> in, unto itself um, yeah which makes it all the sadder when you see the prequels with the cgi but anyway i don't want to talk about that but yoda's yeah, ma- yoda's yoda's magical in empire um and again like 
I don't want to get too... I don't want to talk about the prequels. Yoda the puppet being the Jedi Master is like... that. That is a lesson in the Force. Like, if you watched a new hope and you get this vague concept of what the force is and what it can do. And there's these guys with laser swords and they use the force and you kind of, and Luke is your POV character. So he has this idea, which means we have this idea that the force is kind of like this superpower kind of thing. And, you know, great warriors use it to do great warrior things or whatever. And then we meet Yoda and Yoda is not, he even, I like, I even love, uh, even thinking about, I wasn't even trying to make this point, but just Yoda made it for me. Wars not make one great. Like, you know, looking for a great warrior. And Yoda, even though Yoda's in character at this point, uh, he laughs it off like, yeah, that's not, that's not what this is. And Yoda's teachings to Luke are very little of, if any of Yoda's teachings to Luke are not about any sort of physical combat or, or whatever. It's all very much mindfulness and it's it's you know eh, it's the kind of thing where it's like it's the antithesis less it's it's not the lesson luke was expecting by extension it's not the lesson that we were expecting as the audience right but it again expands your vision of what this thing is and what it can do and that's that is yoda and without saying anything further about the prequels, let me just get this out of the way. Remember what I said about the wrong lessons. Right. Right. Yoda, no, Yoda, 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 Yoda in Empire is down, Yoda. Yeah. Yoda lays down the the foundational philosophy and structure of the force and to a lesser extent the Jedi. And that Ironically enough, that foundation that's laid down in the Empire isn't necessarily addressed in Jedi and is taken in a completely different direction in the prequels. But then, as eventually we'll get there, the sequel trilogy in The Last Jedi is brought back to a lot of what Yoda was talking about in Empire. And I think, and again, we're going to get to the prequels when they do. I think one of the things that the prequels do well is show how much, by the time we meet Yoda in Empire, how this character, um, like, so many other characters in this franchise grows beyond their mistakes and learns from their mistakes. Now, granted when empire is being made, not all this is known. Mm. And one of the great crimes of the prequel trilogy is trying to retrofit to the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. But this is kind of one of the things they get right Mm. because Yoda is kind of screwing up left and right in the prequel trilogy. But when we meet him in Empire, you can see the lessons learned from that. Um, uh, and again, and we'll that talk just about goes, that when the time comes. But right, right, and and that just kind of goes to again the performance, um, unintended consequences is a phrase that's applied to so many things in life. 
Um, and I think unintended consequences, a phrase that you and I would both use to describe Boba Fett. <laughs> uh, sure. As many fans would say unintended blessing or discovery. Um, I think you and I kind of fall on the side of unintended consequence. I, I mean, he, 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 looks so cool dude <laughs> and really the, the design of the character is great is he is a visually awesome character oh dude he's undeniably cool <laughs> to look at um and and and, and to and be he, fair and, and to be fair in empire he is presented very cool yes he, he gives <laughs> vader a little sass without much reproach uh, he he has a cool gravelly voice um, that was later replaced. But Jeremy Bullock, you're you're my boy. You're still in my heart. Um, well, Jer- I don't think Jeremy Bullock was the voice. I think he was just the guy in the suit. I, I, uh, we'll, 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 look, we'll look into that. But in any case, yeah. um, I like the OG voice just fine. Thank you. Um, he, you know, he he was presented very cool. And somehow that didn't resonate enough with George to give him much to do in the way of being that cool, <laughs> or at least cool enough to warrant a better death in Jedi. But but the fans, yeah. the fans took to Boba Fett in a big bad way and uh, made him larger than he had any right to be in fandom circles over the next 20 years of uh Star Wars' existence to the point where now we have a show that is not Boba Fett. <laughs> but, but, you know, if you squint real hard and you're not super versed in all this stuff, you might think it was Boba Fett. But as right. we know, it's not Boba Fett. Right. The, uh, the, the character, you know, the look of the character and everything spawned an entire subsect story in this universe, the story of the Mandalorians and that culture and that world. And obviously we learn more of Fett's origins and the prequels. Um, Bear in mind, he was supposed to just be a stormtrooper. Yeah. That armor, yeah, that yeah. armor was built to be like an elite stormtrooper, you know, armor and some, and it just, things just yeah, evolved. When, when you, when you look at the, right. When you look at the, uh, original Ralph, Ralph McQuarrie designs, I mean, they, uh, the original suit was white. very, yeah, there's a, there's a very uh, distinct line between the stormtrooper design and Boba Fett's design. The original um, costume was literally like, white, though, man. Like, there's 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 a, a yeah. pre-production oh, yeah. photos of the guy in it, and it's like, man, Star Wars is ripe with that kind of stuff. If you really want to get into it, um, look look for production photos and pre-production photos and Ralph McQuarrie art, and it's just like that stuff is so mind bending. The seeing just seeing it evolve, uh, it it's it's a lot again Star Wars Star Wars captured it, I mean I'm using the past tense I don't want to I don't mean to but it really did capture the imagination in a way nothing else could an empire on topic of our our show empire was just so paramount in in taking your imagination and letting it run wild with possibilities compared to where we were in Star Wars uh, New Hope and it empire just pushes that forward so hard right yeah so yeah, Boba Fett. He's so cool. He's edgy. He's he's the Gambit of Star Wars. 
The Gambit. Uh, oh my god. That's pretty good. The Gambit. He speaks with a Cajun accent. <laughs> he's he's that character that when you first kind of discover it, he's one of those things that hooks you in. But as as you kinda um grow and learn and you know consume more and watch more you know a lot of times people kind of like yeah he was that initial hook he's not what console does for for some fans it's not the case for some fans he's still to this date their favorite character my friend brian is a diehard boba fett fan fully admitting of all the faults of the character that he essentially does nothing in empire um that he has a terrible death and you know his his special edition appearances are annoying at best. Um, but yeah, he's, he's the gambit of stuff. That, that's fair. I'll listen to that. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, so now we, we come to, as we, as we did last week, the, the 1997 special edition mm. of Empire. And of the three films, of the three special editions, I feel Empire is the least egregious in changes that were made. Um, because yes. I think I think for the most part, in my personal opinion, save for one thing, the changes made to Empire work. Uh, um, in the film. The, the three big changes that come to mind are the Wampa, in, okay. in the opening scene, which is the only thing that I don't, I, I'm not crazy about. Um, putting Ian McDermott in as Palpatine. Yeah, I don't like that. In the hologram scene. I think that works. I think it gives you that continuity. And just the original scene just isn't uh, the guy. The guy looks like he's got like massive tumors coming out of his forehead. Um, and then Cloud City. Uh, clubs it's like much more yeah i don't like that either (laughs) you can see more of it it's much more of how it was designed to look like a kind of a 1950s sci-fi city um i think as far the emperor scene and i think the cloud city scene i think they really work i don't mind them the way i do a lot of the other changes in the other special editions I can do without basically all of it. Uh, I, well, don't, I don't think it adds anything. What's what's wrong with seeing a, a better Cloud City? The takes away from the design that they ended up with on film, which I thought was really cool with the white walls and the in the rather you know pristine look of it. We have instead. I have to look at now like. CGI matte paintings that are clearly CGI and bad matte lines around actors that were not originally there. Uh, eh, eh, no, not, I'm not not feeling it. It wasn't broke. It didn't need to be fixed. I, I, I think there's something to be said for the fact that George messed with this film the least, um, mostly because I think he knows that uh, it's the best one and... He, he knew he was smart enough to at least leave well enough alone and he probably also uh was being respectful of Irving Kirshner who was his instructor in film school so you know there there is that to contend with as well uh 
Empire's Empire is the one George had the least to do with, and it also happens to be the best one. I don't think those two things were coincidence. So, without getting too deep down that, anything George was going to change was not going to be for the better. I, I just I think it was perfect as it was. None of those changes in this movie really do much of anything for me. Um, the Wampa never needed to see it. It was left to the imagination and whatever I could imagine was better than seeing, you know, CGI snow monster for a scene. Eh, didn't need it. Superfluous. Doesn't have to be there. It's fine. I mean, we did in the original cut, we did see it. It's just not the way, you know, George had intended. We saw it in small, small glimpses. We saw its face and we saw its arm and that was it. That was enough. Um, we the toy was one of my favorites. Yeah, we Loved we it. didn't have to see the thing eating whatever it was eating and yada yada. Just, yeah, wasn't wasn't needed. But uh, I'm I'm fine with the putting Ian McDermott in as the emperor. I'm not so crazy about the changes to dialogue that was obviously unnecessary. Dialogue uh, changes are terrible. Um, and I also don't, I don't like the makeup job that they in the in that redone version. I don't I don't like the way he looks. It looks weird. I feel like it... Maybe this is just me, but in, in Return of the Jedi, the Emperor looks a certain way, and every time he shows up in other instances where they try to make him look like the Empire, or the Emperor looks in Jedi, it just looks bad. Right. I don't like the way uh, he looks it, in the special edition of Empire. I don't like the way he looks in... Uh, uh, was it Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, when he gets the, the butt the butt forehead after the lightning I, like what, what i know what they're trying to do and it's like you're really bad at this stop you did it once that's enough no i mean i don't there's definitely a difference in how it looks from Jedi to the other instances of and obviously Jedi we are we are overlooking design. we're overlooking one other change um that was changed and then changed back um they fixed it in the whatever version is out right now but in the original special edition, how dare you forget the um, the no oh, scream yeah. when Luke lets himself fall after he uh, you know get, loses his hand to Vader and finds out that Vader is his father. They added that scream, which, by the way, if you want to feel even dumber about it, because you know, you, well, I'm not going to feel dumb about it. I'm going to feel insulted by it. Is the same scream that that they used for the Emperor in Return of the Jedi when he gets tossed down the the, the pit the, the at the end? They use the exact same scream for Luke when Luke falls down the pit in Empire. Yeah, George, I buddy, about that. George, yeah, buddy. They fixed it. They, did, you th- did you think we wouldn't recognize George? Did you think we wouldn't know? Come yeah. on, buddy. Yeah, it's. Yeah, Empire's Empire is is. Glad, I, I'm, glad I'm gonna, you know, I don't I don't use the word perfect, uh, willy nilly, but if you were to tell me Empire was a perfect movie, I'm not arguing with you. Hmm. Interesting. I would have to give that a lot of serious thought because to me, there's only ever been one perfect film, and that's Casablanca. Hmm. Uh, Empire's. Pretty magical. I, it, it oh, magic! Magic is not to be denied, but say it is perfect. I, I, it's pretty perfect. I mean, I don't know what. What are you gonna? What are you gonna crap on an empire? 
Are you talking like from a story perspective or a filmmaking perspective? Both. Either one. Um, from so, from the story from the story perspective, I'm maybe using X wings against Adats because you know those proton torpedoes can be pretty potent. I'm uh, not using you know, armored tugboats against Adats. We don't know that they had uh, a fleet of X wings on the planet. They had at least three in the hangar, and but it took that, a lot more than that. that to is, take, they had they they needed. That, that is probably all you need. But for all and we know, they were. Time. But but let's just think they they may have been strategic resources that they needed for the larger fleet, so they didn't want to risk losing them against fighting the ATATs on Hoth. Just putting that, I'm just I mean, I'm just thinking out loud. I, knowing what I know about the ships, I will I will politely tell you that's that's not correct. Um, but yeah, as far as story, uh, but no, as far as like um, film making as far as it actually made as a film i would have to really like sit down and view it just not for pure enjoyment but as like real take like a real critical look at it but i'm not saying your statement is wrong um i'm just saying that you know i've never thought of it in that way but i've never had like reason to try and find it that way for me like casablanca has always only ever been the the only perfect film um but yeah so that's kind of where we're at with empire. It's great. Uh, I love it. I love empire. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's so good. It's it. What, let me ask you this in your video game career. Yes. How many, how many ad ads have you done? Oh God. I, 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 <laughs> uh, me, me, uh, who is the, who is the pilot of the, of the one that, that brought down the, the ad at? The that was uh Rogue Two. The pilot's name escapes me at the moment. What was his gunner's name? Jackson? Jetson? Jetson? Jensen. 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 I me I am Jensen. No, that was Wedge. It was Wedge. Oh, it was Wedge. Wedge uh, Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm I am Wedge. I have taken down an ad at sir. (laughs) (laughs) So many times. And it's funny, like, um, technology being what it is advances uh we've gotten gameplay experiences that uh were unfathomable back in 1980 but you know what that atari 2600 empire strikes back game that that's still i'll still take that one over something like you know battlefront or even like shadows of the empire was very revolutionary in, in the Hoth battle. And, uh, uh, I mean, Ro- Rogue Squadron is still probably the Rogue best. Squadron, yeah. To me, that, that Atari 2600 game, when you, it's when, you hit that, when you hit that one flashing pixel <laughs> and you were able to, to blow up an ad in a single shot, that was, that was, you felt like a Jedi in that moment. Didn't get any better than that, huh? It did not get any better. That's funny. Um, That's funny. So, so yeah. Dude, Empire is, uh, it, I don't know. Look, the only reason we're even having this conversation in in 2020 about it, and the only reason that that Star Wars exists in in the form that it does now is because Empire was just that good. Yeah. 
if it's stunk, yeah, no, if it's true. stunk, none of this matters. Like it, Star Wars becomes that one movie that was really great, and then it's lesser sequel, and that's probably it. But Empire was right. awesome, and Empire and like Empire, Empire set the whole thing. In, yeah, right. Yes, you said it. Like Star Wars laid out the dug the foundation, laid out all the materials and everything. Empire was the cement of the franchise that the house was built on. Yep, yep. And we haven't even talked about how cool, as cool as he was in A New Hope, Han Solo is even cooler in Empire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he shines. He's making a real play for it being his movie. I still think it ultimately uh, goes to Vader, but the, you know, obviously we talked about Luke and, and Vader and uh, but Han and Leia and their their journey. It's it's funny because like their journey not being um, ultimately as interesting as Luke's and Invaders in this film, but Han is using every moment of screen time he has to the maximum of his abilities. Um, and then we get we get Lando in this film, and we again, like there's with with these with these episodes, what we're doing right now, we're not going to cover everything for every film um, because again, we want this to be something different than what's been done in the past. Um, but we can't we can't not discuss Lando, uh, the, the 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 smoothest brother in the galaxy, uh, <laughs> just. Billy D. Williams is is a PhD in coolness. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's calling him Han. He calls him Han. Yeah. We didn't care. <laughs> we don't care. It's Han, but I, Billy D. will let you go. Um, yeah, we get we kind of get two versions of Han Solo in this film. We get a Han Solo that we met and have journeyed with since the original Star Wars film. And then we kind of get Han Solo from the original Star Wars film again in Lando. Yeah, we kind of get the scoundrel the scoundrel redemption arc all over again. Right. And so it's it's just it's really great. That blue cape, man, he makes that thing work. It's you know, it's I don't want to say like I'm not gonna I'm not trying to like poo-poo the guy's career or anything but it you know he's so cool it's almost a wonder that that billy d didn't have a bigger career outside of of star wars well you know drew there is racism in the world so you know yeah, <laughs> i know yeah I'm, I'm... yeah so you know i mean There's still it's, that... not his, it's not his fault carl weathers came along and did. <laughs> okay because you can make the argument they're both we awesome prime. they're both awesome and have they ever been in a movie together oh my god could you imagine i don't think they have been oh, I would that's, pay a, tra- that's that a travesty today. i would pay for that today absolutely oh my god get them get them both in there a movie about uh like some okay here it is carl weathers plays a retired football player who has to have his arm amputated. <laughs> because of course he does. <laughs> because he's Carl Weathers. 
And, he's, and Billy D. Williams is the therapist that teaches him he can live life with that. Um, Fine. But Take my money. As long as Carl Huggins loses to that heart. The mind, the mind, uh, the mind wants that that Batman sequel with with Billy D. Two Face. You know, oh, it. you know, oh man, that that would have been awesome. It that would have been awesome. We'll never know, but that would have been cool. Now we got Tommy Lee Jones. No, thank you. Yeah. We we did get Aaron Eckhart briefly, so take what you can get. We did, we did. Um, but Billy but, D, Billy yeah. D would have been. That's, that's fun to think about. It's fun to think I, about. I, I had two faces, Billy D, and to a lesser extent, Richard Mullet. Fair, fair, fair. Um, um, any, have we have we not? I mean, the Han and Leia love story, and like, I mean, you kind of knew it was going to go one way or another with either Luke or Han. And you could probably see like seeds of it kind of being more Han than Luke in in the original Star Wars film, just because there's not that same chemistry there. And obviously, again, we have another example of story growing and changing organically. Where you know, if if Leia is Luke's sister from the from the word go in Star Wars, we do not have them making out. No, 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 yeah, <laughs> no. No, we don't. Um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's the love story's done very well. It's believable. It's great. And again, it's, it's, uh, it's sold by, man, I mean, Carrie Fisher is also tremendous. Because if she doesn't buy Han, you know, none of this works. And she's awesome in, in the role. Like, she falls for the guy. But, you know, Han, Han's a lovable, for, for all his gruff and bravado, there is a lovable guy underneath all of that. Yeah, yeah, lovey looking, scruffy looking nerd herder. And come on, man! Like I said, he's so awesome in this movie. When he drops that line, when he drops the "I know" on her, dude, yeah. that's only he could get away with that. <laughs> Truth. Truth. Um, yeah, that's you know what? That's really. All I can think of, we're kind of, we've got to be coming up on two hours. We are, yeah, we we are. We're um, we're on the threshold here, so. Yeah. So, uh, Drew, do you have any uh, any final thoughts on Empire? I love it. <laughs> it's it's so great. I love Empire, and uh, if if you have a, any any kind of soul, you do too. Uh, it's <laughs> it's it's the best Star Wars movie. Um, it takes the whole thing to another level. And arguably, it never gets quite to that same high again. But we owe all of this. All of Star Wars' enduring legacy, in my opinion, is... Yes, it was the first movie that, that was the the pop cultural phenomenon. But Empire is the one that cemented the world, the universe, and all the stuff that we care about Star Wars being. The, the only reason it still exists to this day is because Empire made it so. Yeah, yeah. Empire is just—it's—it's it's empire. It's—it it has become a unit of measurement for films. And I, yeah, and I can't. It, you're, you're not exactly. It's—it's it's the sequel. It is the one everyone points to. The—the the, the sequel that out. You know, again, arguably outdoes the original, but expand again expands 
the original vision and really drives home uh, whatever that vision might have been. Um, it's the benchmark, and that's that's a powerful thing. It's it's great. It's great. And unlike, uh, if, you know, I know before we wrap up, there's there's always going to be the contingent of people that uh, the question, even in our you know in, in our childhoods, even we might have had the question: Empire or Jedi as your favorite Star Wars movie? And dude, I'm I'll tell you. I, it's, it's a no contest. It's Empire, um, and for reasons we'll talk about next next time we talk about Return of the Jedi, I can pick it. I can pick a lot at Return of the Jedi. I can't. I can't pick at Empire like like at all. I. Yeah. It's it's pretty bulletproof. <laughs> yeah. So as a weird kid, my the, my favorite is still the original. That, and that's uh, and that's totally fair. Uh, yeah. Um. All right. So. That's going to do it for us this week, folks. Uh, just I, I know we're all in a rough time right now, uh, but just remember, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Uh, things are going to get better, and but until then, we're going to be here uh, at least minimum every other week, trying to, to give you an episode, take your mind off some stuff for a little bit, for a little bit, in this case, a lot bit. Um, we appreciate you hanging with us. If you want to reach out to the show, send us any comments, uh, questions, anything you want to communicate to the show, you can do so at the following locations. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's Do Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash Do Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Do Pod at gmail.com. Or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devil's Do Podcast.com. Drew, any closing thoughts? Uh, no. I'm going to give Doom Eternal some time, and uh, I'll let you know how that goes. Okay. All right, folks. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again in two weeks, maybe on some live stream ceremony. You never know. Um, but in the meantime, stay healthy, stay safe, stay home. We'll talk to you later.